All right, so anybody ready to hear God's word today? Anybody want to, ready to dive in? So we're in a series. We, we started last week in the book of Mark, and here's what we've said so far. We said that the, the book of Mark, it, it's the shortest gospel of all the gospels, but it's an, a gospel of action where Jesus has modeled for us uh, a action, you know, and we, we saw his life, we see his life, where he did miracles, he raised the dead, he walked on water. All of those things were to demonstrate his power, but how many of you know he didn't use his power to, to just lord over people? How, how did he use his power? Use it to serve, right? And so the whole gospel of Mark is about Christ being a servant. And so last week, here's kind of an overview of what we said last week, that because Christ is a, a man of action, we're going to follow in his footsteps and be people of action too, amen? And so we're going to follow, and we, how we say it here is taking next steps. So the most important one, Lori mentioned it earlier, is, is placing your faith in Christ's finished work. Salvation is the most important step that you'll take, amen? Because that's where you, you settle where you're going to be after this life. You know, you get eternal life. But that's not the only step you take. You take action by being baptized. We said that baptism is really important because it represents your old life being buried and you've been raised to new life. And we also said it was important because Jesus, he thought it important enough to be baptized. So again, what are we doing? We're following in his footsteps. We said that uh, it's important for us to, to uh, be all in as disciples. Remember when he was choosing his 12, he said, hey, come follow me. And, and they didn't say, well, you know, Jesus let us think about it for a minute, did they? Well, what did they say? We're all in. Let's go. We, we, they, right away, they followed. And so we're disciples of Jesus. We're all in. Everybody say all in. Are any all in disciples in this room today? Okay. So then it, we set a next step of, of inviting people into this fully alive relationship that we have. Because here's the truth. We all have a testimony. Anybody have a testimony of God's grace and forgiveness? So you have the opportunity, the privilege of sharing your testimony with people because they can't argue with a, with a changed life. Amen? So that's the next step. Let's invite people into this fully alive relationship that we can have with Christ. And then the final thing that we need to remember is, based on last week's preaching, was that God has given us authority. Everybody say authority. You have authority to preach, to, to tell the good news to whoever listened. Because remember what, what the gospel means? What does it mean? It literally means good news. So how many of you would, would want to hold good news in? If it's good news, we want to share it, right? So this is the whole idea behind us taking action is we're following in the footsteps of Christ, taking those next steps to make sure that we're living this full life Christ promised. So today, I want to talk to you about a parable. Now, we said last week the, the book of Mark is a book of action, but it's not void of Jesus' teaching. So what we want to do today is we want to lean in to his teaching. Now, one of the, the primary ways he did teach was through parables. So anybody familiar with what a parable is? Okay, well, I'll give you an example. So whenever Jesus would, would want to describe a spiritual truth, he would take something the natural that we would understand. So like back in those days, gardening, or it was a, it was a culture of, of gardening and, and crops, right? They would raise stuff. And so he would use this idea of gardening as a way to illustrate a spiritual truth. So today we're going to talk about this parable in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, which is, would be familiar to, for those people who were in that age. They would know 
okay, here's something that I can take in the natural and understand something that Christ, God's trying to get me to learn. Does that make sense to everybody? So parables were important because they would relay those truths. But another thing about parables is they would also conceal truths to those whose hearts weren't willing or ready to hear. Okay, does that make sense? So when I was studying this, I, I began, when I thought about that, I'm like, man, that's, that's kind of that's a sobering thing to know that there are those who won't receive this message, who won't be willing to hear the good news of Christ. And that's troubling to me. Is it troubling to anybody else? So it's so important that you and I understand what Jesus was trying to teach because, number one, we need to ask ourselves a question about our own heart. So I want to I start with this question as, before we read the passage. What would you like your heart to be in relationship with Christ? Where would you like it to be? Good question. Because in the culture we're in today, if you watch the news or you, you keep up with current events, you know there there's, there's, could be a lot of worry and anxiety in our culture, amen? Anybody ever experienced a little bit of that? I think COVID brought a lot of that to the surface, mental issues and all kind of stuff. And we're not totally out of that yet. But there's this, there's this opportunity for all of us, for our hearts to become worrisome and anxious or even hardened by what's going on. Anybody know anybody like that? And so you and I have to do an examination. We need to do an examination of our heart. And so I want you to keep that question in mind as we unpack this parable of the sower because at the end of the service, let's respond to this question. Where's my heart right now in relation to Christ? So let's dive right in. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read several verses to you. And, and you'll, you'll pick up on some of the things that, that we're going to try to unpack today. So Mark chapter 4, verse 1. It says, And again Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So I want to show you a picture because how many of you know, we talked about last week, because of the miracles, because the word was getting out about Jesus, he was being pressed more and more. More and more people were showing up to watch what Jesus was doing, right? And so he, he came to the point where, you know, if I'm going to really be effective in teaching, I got to find a kind of a unique, innovative way to share this message without feeling like everybody's like right up against me. So I want to show you this picture. This is called the cove of the sower, right? So you notice as the water kind of, there's a U shape there. Uh, Theologians think that he took, this is right near Capernaum. This is right where he had, he had come out of Capernaum and he was, he was going down to the lake. And he got into a boat in that little U-shape, that cove there, and he would teach from the boat. Now, you notice, too, that it slopes down. So all those people would sit on the hillside kind of like an amphitheater, right? Isn't that pretty cool? So here's the neat thing about it. Because he's speaking on the water, his, the sound waves from his voice would bounce off the water and up into the, into the crowd, and they could hear him without any problem. Isn't that cool? Okay, maybe you have to be like a physics or a kind of a science geek to, to appreciate that. But you got to know, we're talking about Jesus, the God of the universe, who understood, here's how I created things, and this is the best way for me to get this message out. I thought that was cool. Right, so. Anyway, let's keep reading. I'm not a geek, I promise. He taught them many things in parables, and he, in his teaching, he said, listen. You notice there's an exclamation point there? When he says, listen, what do we do? We need to perk up. 
lean in to what he's about to say. A farmer went to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell upon rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Verse, next verse. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you think he's wanting us to lean in? Whenever somebody wants to, to want you to get something, they'll, they'll say it over and over again, right? That's what he's doing. He said, listen, guys, pay attention. Lean into this. This is a really important teaching. And then, watch this. When he was alone with the 12 and the others around him, they asked about the parables. Now, can you picture this? These are 12 guys who've been watching him do miracles and teach, and they're still like, um, Jesus? I don't know that we understand what you just said. His teaching was, whoa, going over their heads. And so, does that, hope, does that give hope to anybody else? That because the, you know, the, these guys watched him, you and I, there's some hope for us, even though we might have some challenges, sometimes understanding. But no, watch what he says to them. He says, he told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. In other words, guys, maybe you don't realize the privilege of the seat that you have. You have a front row seat in what I'm doing and what I'm teaching on the earth, and I want you to understand it. So what does he do? He says, let me just take it down to your level. Let me explain to you what I meant by this parable. So he goes on. Let's read it. Verse 12. So that they may ever be seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Notice he's talking about those who, who he's concealing this truth from, right? And that's, that was kind of weird to me, but, but it's, it's, it's understandable that there are some who just not, aren't going to, they're just not going to be open to it. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So here's what he's saying there. So it, think about this. If you don't get your heart right, if you don't get the condition of your heart right, how can you understand the things of God? So understanding this parable he's about, he just taught is crucial for understanding all the other ones because it's all about the condition of the heart. It's just like, um, let's say, anybody like oranges? Any orange lovers in here? Can you grow oranges in Alaska? Why? It's not the right climate. It's not the right atmosphere. And so what, what Jesus is saying, in order for you to understand these parables, these, these truths that I'm teaching, you have to have the right climate, the right atmosphere for, for the fruit to be bored. Does that make sense? And so this is what he's getting at. So what he does is he says, let me lay this out for you so you can understand because this one's crucial to the rest. All right? Does that make sense? All right, let's keep reading. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, 
that lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And so you, you see here a clearer picture. It's not just a story about a guy literally throwing seeds, is it? No, it's a, it's a parable. And what he's done is he's compared the four, four soils to our heart. Four kinds of soil. The hardened soil, the stony soil, the choked out weed soil, and then the fertile soil. So here's another question for you. Out of those four, which one do you want to be? I heard it. Everybody hold up the four, number four. How many of you want to be number four? If you don't want to be number four, you and I need to have some conversations. Amen. Now, in a, in a group this size, there's some people, I'm sure, your hearts are hard. That's, that's soul number one. So before we dive into those four, I want to just, let's just identify some things. Number one, let's identify who the sower is in this, in this parable. Who's the sower? Jesus is the sower. Originally, he's the sower, right? But after his death and resurrection and his ascension, what did he do? He commissioned who? Us as followers of Jesus to be sowers. So every person who's a follower of Jesus, guess what? You're a sower. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from that responsibility. And so we're all sowers as followers of Jesus. That makes sense. Number two, what's the seed? The seed is God's word. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we have the sower, we have the seed, and then what's the soil? It's the hearts of men, right? And we said there are four kinds. So number one, let's, do, let's dive into this. Excuse me. Oh, before I do that, let me ask you a question. Which soil, one more time, which soil do you want to be? Number four. All right. So soil number one or heart number one is hardened, the hardened heart. Now think about this for a minute. If, you, if we go back to the analogy, some of the seed that the sower would throw would go on to that, that hard ground. Now what it is, it, it's basically a path where people would walk, maybe animals, maybe all kinds of stuff. And so what happens to it as they're walking on it? It becomes impacted, Right. It's dried up by the sun, and so it's so hard that the soil doesn't penetrate at all. What does it do? It just lays on the surface. And what did he say? He said the birds came and took it away. So the question is, what, does it, what is it that causes hearts of men to be hardened? Life itself. I heard that. Life. So the circumstances we've been in for the last two years, could that harden a heart? Especially if you watched maybe one of your loved ones pass away from the sickness. That could harden a heart. Your own sin can harden your heart, right? The addictions and the hang-ups that you're facing can harden the heart. 
Maybe even some of us believing some of the ideologies that are out there today, the Antichrist ideas, you know, that maybe there's no God or, you know, all these other things that would fight against the truth of Scripture. And so all of these can harden our hearts. And notice it says, because things are hard, the enemy, what does he do? He comes in and he steals the word. What's his, what's his aim for you? You guys know it. We, we say it all the time around here. To steal, to kill, and destroy. So if your heart's hard, you're easy pickings. Snatches it away. There's no room. There's no opportunity for the word of God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to take root and bear fruit. That's troubling, isn't it? Does anybody know anybody like that? Where maybe you've shared with them the gospel, you've, you've shared your testimony with them, and, and they're, they're just not open to it. They don't want to have anything. They don't want to hear it. And maybe you're tempted to give up on them. Can I declare to you, don't give up on them. Why? Because there's always the potential for somehow, for that, for that hardened heart, for it to be open to the truth. Amen? And you may be the only hope they have. Amen? So don't give up on them. Number two, the second kind of soil is the stony heart. These are the kind of people who, they'll come to church, they'll hear the message, and they'll get all excited on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, somebody comes and, and says something you know, negative to them or, or makes fun of their faith or, or you know, maybe the troubles of life come, and what do they do? They start backing up. Because their experience was only emotional, there's no depth. There's no depth to their relationship. There's no depth to the experience. And all they're doing is living Sunday to Sunday to the high. Amen? And pretty soon, what's going to happen? Because there's no root, they're going to shrivel up. And those are the people who you'll see them for a few weeks. And they'll be excited, and then you won't see them for several months because... They've gone into the, the mully grubs. There's no depth to the experience. There's some who get to the point where maybe they had this unrealistic expectation of what Christianity was. Maybe they had it in their mind. You know, when I become a Christian, things are going to be, you know, there, there's not going to be any problems anymore. That's not biblical, is it? No, Jesus said this way, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What? I have overcome the world. And so if it's an unrealistic picture of what Christianity is going to be, can you imagine the disillusionment when things don't go their way? When troubles come and tribulation comes and, and sometimes, God forbid, persecution comes? What are they going to do? They're going to hightail it away because there's no root to it. It's shallow. Many of these people are the ones now who would speak out against Christianity. Well, there's nothing to it. Or because they've, they've had this unrealistic expectation about God. Maybe they prayed a prayer and they expected God to answer it. And he didn't answer it in the way they thought. And so what happens? They become disillusioned. And then they become an enemy of the faith. Anybody know anybody like that? They walked away because it just wasn't what they expected. That's the stony ground. That's the shallowness of that heart. The heart number three. This is the heart that chases after stuff. Anybody know anybody like that? This is the heart that gets choked out by life itself. So 
It may be that they're, they're pursuing things. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against people enjoying stuff on this earth and having stuff. I'm not, I'm not against that. The problem is, is when the pursuit of the stuff, the money, the, the, you know, the, maybe the societal, uh, you know, that being a part of the society and, and that kind of upstanding, you know, the fame and all of that, when that becomes your pursuit, what happens? You become divided, right? When you lose focus, you're in for, you're, you're in for problems, so if your focus is on gaining wealth and all of that, and you're not pursuing God, then you're double-minded. And the Bible says, here's what the Bible says, a double-minded person is what? Unstable in all his ways. It may not be riches and stuff. It may just be that you're watching too much news, and you're seeing all the stuff that's happening, and your heart's become very anxious and worried. And the cares of this life begin to choke you. Sometimes, maybe over the last couple of years, you felt like that the world was crushing you and you felt this weight. You felt like you couldn't hardly make it because all the stuff that was happening. Can anybody identify? And so what happens is when we're divided, when our eyes aren't on, on this God's word or in God's word, then we're crushed. We're choked out by the cares of life. Here's another way of saying it. We have a crowded heart. Our attention is divided. If we go back to this analogy of, of a like a garden, so anybody have a garden? Anybody tend to? Anybody have one? You're growing stuff? There's a few in, in here. So what's really important about having a garden? There's a number of things. If you're going to do a garden, you got to make sure the soil is well taken care of, right? You got to Plow it up, whatever, you know, you got to get, the, get that, those nutrients mixed up into the soil so when you plant seed, you're, you're, again, you're creating the conditions for growth. But there's one thing that you have to fight constantly in a garden. You might know what it is? Weeds. And how many, isn't it crazy that weeds grow naturally? You don't have to do anything to get weeds. That's so frustrating, isn't it? But think about that. The weeds are, are those things you know, the cares of life, the riches, the pursuits, our, our own nature trying to choke out what, what God wants to do. Or, or you know, in the, the garden setting, causing those plants to be unfruitful. So what's the goal? You got to get the weeds out, don't you? You got to keep your garden free of weeds. You got to tend to it. So if you leave it alone, what happens? It's going to be overtaken. There's not going to be any fruit. So you got to be diligent about tending the garden. So let's switch that over back over to our hearts. If we're allowing the cares of life, the pursuit of riches, all these things to crowd out what really needs to happen, what do we need to do? Ten, that's a good way of saying it, Janice. Tend to our hearts. And this is what he's saying. If you're too busy... If you're too worried about this, you know, gaining riches, or you're so worried about what's going to happen next, and you're preoccupied, you don't have time for God. And if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. Can I say that one more time? If you're too busy for God, you're too busy. 
And so we've got to get those weeds out so that we can have the nutrients, we can have the kind of heart that God can use and grow fruit in. Here's another way that Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and... There it is. You can't get any more plainer than that, right? Now, the idea there is uh, that you notice it's a, it's a in some translation, it's like the word mammon. It's the, the idea that money, and it's, a lot of times they'll capitalize that because you know, that's really what happens. Money can become your God. Can I tell you this? That, that money is a terrible master. It is. Now, the Bible says that it's not money that's the root of evil. It's what? The love of it. So when you love money, it's hard to love God too. Again, your tension's divided. Your affections are divided. So what's he say? Let's take care of where our affections lie. Let's turn our attention away from that and let God be the one who rules. Here's the good thing about that. Does God want to bless you? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So he don't mind blessing you. Here's the key. The key is, he said it in Matthew 6, seek first, everybody say first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and guess what? All this other stuff will be added unto you, because God's a good God. He's a good father. He's a protector. He's a provider. He's a healer. And so if you'll keep your eyes focused, your heart focused on him, this these weeds, these anxieties, these cares, these riches can't take hold in your life. Amen. So how many of you want to be number three? So let's go to number four. This is the, the heart that's after God. This is the heart that's pursuing God. This is the heart that's open to his word getting in. This is the fertile soil. Amen. Because here's the understanding. I know the transforming power of God's word. Hebrews 4 says it this way. It's like a two-edged sword. It pierces. It, it, it shows us the things going on in our heart, right? It, it reveals our heart is what it does. And sometimes we're, we have a hard time because we don't want things revealed. So a person who has this kind of heart is receptive. They hear the word. They accept the word, and they bear fruit. And so here's the, here's the key to this. So if you want that kind of heart, there has to be investments made, right? You have to, again, what are we doing? We're tending, like you said, Janice, we're tending to our own heart. And if we want to be that kind of soil, that kind of heart, then we have to be diligent. Here's how Proverbs says it, Proverbs chapter 4. It says, guard your heart with all diligence. Does that sound like tending to your heart? And here's the other part. It says, because from your heart spring the issues of life. And so everything that you're, you're thinking, everything that your uh, attention is on is going to come out. So what do we do? We tend to our heart. We guard our heart with all diligence so that we can be a, a heart that bears much fruit. So let me ask you again, which one do you want to be? Just hold it up. Four. 
I want to be hard. Number four. So the truth is, when you examine the whole parable in its entirety, and you examine the four soils, the four hearts, boy, that's pretty troubling. So you got three out of the four that are unfruitful. If we're looking at percentages, what's the percentage? 75% unfruitful and 25 fruitful. That can be a little bit discouraging, can't it? And a little bit eye-opening. As I'm examining my own heart, am I that 25%? I hope so. But do you really have to hope? No. You don't have to hope. You can be the fertile soil. So here's what I would say. Not only are you the soil, but you're also a sower. We mentioned that earlier. And so when we understand the reality, this realistic picture of not all soil, not all the people we talk to is going to have the right heart. I'll say it this way. Live for the 25%. Live for those who are going to hear and receive the message and bear fruit. But you don't know that for sure, do you? So what do we do? We sow. We don't give up sowing, do we? So here's three realities as Christians, as being people who are gospel-centered, who love God's word, who are focusing our attention on being a sower. Number one, here's some, a reality. The seed has to be sown or there won't be a harvest. There's one thing we can guarantee. If we don't sow the seed, we won't have a harvest. Is that right? So we got to sow. Number two, the soil has to be right for the seed to produce a harvest. Amen? Number three, there has to be people willing to harvest. If you're sowing, you're expecting a harvest. But what did Jesus say? He said, the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. What was the problem? The workers are few. There's few laborers. And so we as Christians, remember, we have the responsibility as followers of Jesus that we're going to do some sowing. All three of these we just talked about are responsibilities of the church of Jesus Christ. We have been commissioned as people of action, called by God to sow the word of God, to sow the gospel. Here's the other thing about that. Jesus made a statement. He said, you know, at the end of days, the gospel will be preached to every nation, and then what? His return. So here's the thing. Anybody looking forward to Jesus coming? Why don't we get more busy sowing? Because the more we sow, I believe the faster he's going to come back. Amen? So why not get busy? Amen? And it's our responsibility to do it. So here's some, here's some characteristics of sowing. Number one, the more seed you sow, the greater the harvest. That's understandable, right? Even if it is 25%, the more you sow, the more harvest you get. Number two, we can't stop sowing. We have to sow. Number three, we will see a multiplied harvest. You always reap more than you sow, amen? So that's, the, that's, the, that's that that principle of God's word, that when you sow, you reap, but you're going to reap more than you sow. Amen. There's some courage there, right? Some encouragement right there. We're going to reap in proportion to what we've sown. 
And then, folks, remember this parable, although it's about spiritual truth, is a call to action, isn't it? It is a call to action. Number one, an action of searching my own heart and making sure I'm the right soil. Number two, the action of sowing and reaping. Amen? We talked about this last week. We have an opportunity to invite people into this fully alive relationship that Christ offers. And here's how we do it. We share. We sow. Here's another way you can take action. Pray. Remember we said last week when we're inviting people into this relationship, we intercede on their behalf. So I wanted to get even more specific today and say, here's how to pray. Can y'all lean into this prayer today? Number one, pray that the Father will draw these people that you're sowing seed to, that he will draw them to Jesus. That's what the Bible says, that he will draw them. Pray that the people, the Bible says that the enemy has blinded their eyes, of their heart, right? So pray that the blinders will be taken off of their eyes and their heart, and they'll respond to the gospel positively. Amen? Pray that more believers, not just you, but other believers will cross paths with them in these, these monumental moments where they'll hear it from you, but they'll also hear it from somebody else, and they'll be prone to be drawn to this relationship with Christ. Pray that they'll have a personal relationship. Because remember, folks, we're not calling them to a religion. Understand? Christianity is not a religion. Really? No, it's a relationship. Folks, religion kills. Doesn't it? God's calling us to a personal, close, intimate relationship with him. And that's why the gospel's good news. Because we're calling people to relationship, not to a set of rules. Amen. That's religion, because it becomes about what we do and not what God's already done. Pray that the Spirit of God will give them revelation and wisdom to know Him better. So once they do accept Him, and they do receive this good news, that they grow in their faith, that they become a lover of Jesus. Any lovers of Jesus in the room today? So we're praying that for everybody we're sharing with. So... The last part of this message is really more practical, okay? So I want to ask you a question. How do you cultivate this heart? We've already said, everybody's already said we want to be heart number four, right? How do you cultivate heart number four? Good question, huh? Here's the idea. Hosea 10, 12. Let's read this together. Sow righteousness for yourselves... I love this. Reap the fruit of what? Say it out loud. Unfailing love. So again, it's all about the relationship. When you are, are your, your heart and your soul's in the right place, what happens when we sow righteousness? We're going to reap this relationship with Christ. Amen? You love that? And then watch what it says. And break up your unplowed ground. If your heart's heart, here's the opportunity for the, your heart to become that fertile soil. And then watch what it is. And here, here's the remedy. For it's time to do what? So how do you plow up the ground? Seek the Lord. Pray. Amen. How, how simple is that? And then what happens? He showers. How I many you know gardens need rain, right? 
Need water. What for, for what purpose? To keep the ground moist and soft and ready to, for that soil, for that seed to bear fruit. So what does he do? He rains. He showers you. Keeps everything ready. He's doing the tending, isn't he? All right. So here's another, here's another way. Psalm 1. Let's read this. But whose delight is in the... Everybody say delight. Delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So in other words, this person loves God's word. How many of you love God's word? Okay, the rest of you don't love his word. Maybe, okay, this more even so, a heart check. He delights in God's word. It's not something he has to do. It's something he gets to do. Amen? So he delights and meditates on the word of God. And here's the outcome. What does it say? This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Y'all follow this? So if you're cultivating a heart that's fertile and loves to bear fruit, then you're going to love God's word. Amen? Here's another thing. I want to ask you another question. Are you willing to examine your heart today, this morning, in this, in this room? Because here's what David prayed in Psalm 139. I want to read this. We're going to make this a prayer in just a second. Search me, God, and know my heart. Now watch this. Text, test my and know my anxious thoughts. Remember we said that the weeds of the cares of life, what, what can they cause? Anxiety, right? And so David's praying a prayer. Hey, test my anxious thoughts. If I'm being anxious, show me. And then he says, see if there's any offensive way in me. Remember the, the heart that's hardened? They've been offended by stuff. Everything, there's things of life have hardened their heart. What is he saying? If there's any offense, if there's anything that's causing my heart to be hard, what do I do? Search me. And then he says, lead me in the way everlasting. So what if we echoed that prayer, that prayer of David every day? What do you think would happen if you prayed that prayer every day? I think you'd have heart number four. How many of you agree? Because remember, we said it's important to tend the heart. I think part of tending our heart is praying that prayer. Search me, God. Examine me so that my heart stays in tune, in close fellowship with God, and can bear fruit. So what's your response to this message today? Number one, lean into the Word of God. Be a hearer only. No, the Bible says be a hearer and a doer. It's in James, right? So be a hearer and a doer of God's word. Number two, examine your heart daily to make sure you have that heart that can bear fruit. Number three, be a sower. Share the gospel freely. Remember, the more you sow, the more the harvest. Number four, pray. Pray for a harvest. Thanks for joining us for this week's service. 
We pray that God has used this time to greatly impact your life. But it doesn't have to end here. There are actually two ways that you can take this into the rest of your week with you. First, you can share. Share in the comments what God spoke to you during this message, and then press the share button so you can send this to a friend who could use the encouragement. Secondly, get connected, either by pressing the subscribe button or joining our Facebook group. We pray that you walk in the full life you were created for. We'll see you next week.